0: Welcome to Native Yoga podcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage, bodywork and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. Welcome to Native Yoga Todcast. For those of you who are first-time listeners, welcome. For those of you that are repeat listener, thank you so much for your support. Thank you, thank you. Today, I am pleased to bring to you Lila Schwartz, who is a certified yoga therapist. She's an Asheville-based yoga teacher, She's a teacher trainer. She's an author. She has more than 40 years of experience. She studied with BKS Iyengar. She has written a book called Healing Our Backs with Yoga, An Essential Guide to Back Pain. She has several courses that are on Yoga U online. She has a YouTube channel of a Mayo class. She's got weekly online classes and private consultations. I'm going to put the links in the show notes below so you can check her out, but just so that you can hear it as well. She has a website that is yogawithlila.com, so to spell I'll spell it out yogawithlilla h.com. Yoga with Lila. And if you go there, she also is going to include a, there's a free link here that you can click for information about the psoas, which you'll hear her speak about. It's quite fascinating. And also she has a new course coming up, uh, a six week practice course, uh, which the link is in the show notes below and you can check that out. So there's plenty of information here. If you have back pain, if you have any discomfort in your back, I think this is a really important discussion for you to listen to. And if you're a teenager and you don't know what back pain is yet, well, there's still some really important information (laughs) for you to listen to here because guess what? (laughs) Time, we all are a part of the time, the wheel of time here. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll make it into 40 years of practice like Leela has. And so with that being said, I also want to just make mention those of you that want to practice with us here we have a two weeks free live stream yoga special which you can see on our website nativeyogacenter.com. Also I know this is time dependent but in April the month of April in 2022. I'll be offering a series of classes on Wednesday evenings uh, called Karma Yoga Gathering and they're all free and they're going to be in studio and online and I'm going to be doing some things like pranayama and uh, chanting Hanuman Chalisa and some yoga sutras and meditation and also a yoga nidra class. So if any of that is of interest to you, And I'm doing donation-based fundraising for Piper's Angels organization, which helps support those with cystic fibrosis. All right, that was a lot, (laughs) but I figured I'd get out of the way at the beginning here, and uh, let's go ahead and begin. Welcome. I'm really pleased to introduce you all today to Lila Schwartz. Lila, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you.
0: I'm so happy that you've uh, allotted some time to speak with me today. I have had the pleasure of practicing with you in the past. You've traveled here to Native Yoga Center in Juneau Beach. Can you fill us in where you are now currently?
1: Well, Todd, my life seems to be really focused around back care, Mm. and that's mostly because of my own injury, my own pelvic injury I had when I was 16 and how that set up sort of an asymmetry in my pelvis and contributed to sort of a scoliosis pattern in my spine, which for those of people who are listening who know a little bit about body work, you know, there's something called the cranial sacral rhythm. And so if the sacrum is going out of balance, then it's easy for the cranium to also go out of balance and follow suit. Or one could say that they counterbalance each other. So my journey has really been about learning how to create stability in my pelvis so that I could have stability in my entire spine.
0: Nice. Can you give us a little bit of your history in terms of how long you've been practicing and teaching yoga?
1: Uh, Yes, okay. So I am a, a veteran yoga teacher i have been teaching and practicing for over 40 years wow um i it's a, it was a wonderful thing last year when i had my 70th birthday i decided to write a chapter for each decade of my yoga career and kind of go through my experiences um as a little autobiography of my journey nice. which was a lot of fun i bet Yeah, and so, um, you know, and currently I'm teaching, uh, I do some courses for Yoga U online. Uh, I have a a new one that's just now come out and available on my website called The Mind-Body Yoga for Back Care Beyond 50. And that is a mouthful, but it's really something that is dear to my heart, um, as many of my students are over the age of 50 now. And what happens when we get over the age of 50 is that all those neuromuscular imbalances and, uh, shall we say, less than than helpful habits that we might have, Mm. um, start to really settle in in the fascia and in the joints and start changing the shape of the joints. People end up with, you know, some bone spurs or some arthritis, um, like that, and so it's a little bit of a snowball. So I really, um, uh, like I said, it's dear to my heart to create and this course I created. It's like a six-week uh, practice um, covering different aspects of yoga for back care for somebody who needs to progress gradually and intelligently from one pose to the next.
0: Mm, nice. Excellent. That's I'm I'm really curious how when you first started practicing yoga obviously it's different or it's evolved and changed and shift has shifted were you in your eagerness when you were younger pushing strong on your back and do you find that you've really changed your whole approach over over time? Um
1: I would say when I was younger that the goal was how many poses can I do and how well can I do them? Yeah. And you know, that pays off. So even though I injured myself several times, Mm. I injured my low back, I injured my neck, I injured my left knee. And all of that was due to the underlying imbalances in my body Mm. that I was at the time not aware of. And so, um, you know I had a very strong background because I had thirty years of training in the Iyengar method, which is you know a, um, a branch of Ashtanga yoga mm-hmm. and um, but there's that that sense of what he would call alignment and in addition to that, I added my own sensibilities because I have a background in anatomy and physiology from college. Mm. So I added that understanding in with what Iyengar was teaching. And then, you know, after the first seven years, when at the beginning my back didn't hurt at all, and after my first seven years of doing yoga, I had hip back and neck pain almost all the time. Wow. And that was after my first seven years of yoga practice. Right. In the Iyengar method, which is supposedly Mm. alignment-oriented. And I think what people don't realize about yoga is that Um, is that yoga works on the inner body so what does that mean so if we go from a muscular standpoint we could say there are extrinsic muscles and the extrinsic muscles are the big ones the trapezius, the latissimus, the gluteus the thighs, the hamstring those are the bigger muscles that are on the outside and then as you go in toward the inner body closer into the joints those muscles become smaller and they kind of hold the joints together. And those are the intrinsic or internal muscles. And what people don't realize is that yoga is going to take you to that place. It's going to take you to that intrinsic place. Mm. And if you don't have an understanding of alignment and how to balance your body in the poses, you're going to end up overstretching something you don't mean to overstretch Mm. And so one of the most common things I see in women, especially in yoga, is that they destabilize their pelvis. Mm-hmm. And they lose and then and, and then people start heading toward what? They either destabilize their pelvis by being too stretchy bendy, they lose their gluteal tone, or they Try and square their hips in the lateral poses and tear the labrum around the head of the femur bone. And the next thing they know, they may need a hip replacement.
0: Wow.
1: You know, so I see a lot of that happening because people aren't, aren't coming to their yoga practice with a sense of alignment mm. that, that honors our natural anatomy.
0: <clears throat> that makes sense.
1: And, Right, and so, you know, I, I mean, you've probably heard this before in some of your other talks with people how, you know, there's always that instruction in triangle pose, in Trikonasana, or in Vibhidrasana II, Warrior two pose, there's always that instruction that says, somebody says, square your hips to the front. Mm-hmm. Turn your hips to the front of the room. Yep. And that is one of the single worst offenders any yoga teacher could use in a class it's going to set up more people for hip problems than any other single instruction I've heard.
0: If, if we're in, so this is when you said in Warrior Two, and if you're attempting to square your hips, say, to the side of your mat, what part of the hip, is it on the front leg inside thigh, or is it the back leg-like groin area that you're referencing when you say it's really unhealthy?
1: pretty much the front leg, the bending leg.
0: Mm. Gotcha. I and mean,
1: you can you, you can overstretch, of course, the inside of the rear thigh as well, but it's the front leg, bending leg. Um, and and so just, you know, I didn't know this conversation was going to go in this direction. So
0: <laughs> I know. I, I know. It got, just, uh, it got too quick. All right.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're going to, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, so let me just complete this thought. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, the, the thought is, is not to square the hips. That's not the first thing to do. Mm. The first thing to do is to externally rotate the thigh, the bending knee thigh and Vera too. Mm. Externally rotate in the socket and turn the buttocks down and under you so that you actually make such a complete rotation Mm. that you line up the thigh bone with the long edge of the mat and plug the, the hip into the hip socket. And then you can adjust by adding banda, giving a little drop to the tail, add banda And then if you want to open the hinge of the hip
2: mm. and start
1: to open the left hip away from the right knee, yep. that would be the appropriate moment to do it. And people's hips are different. Yep. Some people have a head of the femur bone is long. The neck of the femur bone is long. Other people have a short one, so my hips are never, ever going to square to the front of the room. Mm. But somebody else's hips might get close enough to give the illusion that their hips are squared to the front of the room. Yeah, but if they're anatomically really stable, they will never. I don't think they ever get perfectly square. I think that's anatomically unhealthy.
0: That's interesting. I'm, I'm curious. How do you teach alignment? I think. Like what you did, I feel like you just did, you just taught us like a really important concept that, you know, you would start in this one place. And if you can achieve like what you mentioned of this like really deep external rotation by, and then dropping the glute, and then if you can open up your hip, and if people are, haven't really had the type of practice and years, of doing this like you have in study of anatomy and you come across a student that's really just getting to know their bodies and even, you know, just learning how to touch their toes. Do you have a strategy or protocol for like assessing the situation and figuring out how you're going to like start to actually teach some of these uh, challenging concepts?
1: Well, as you know, yoga has a lot to do with repetition.
0: Mm.
1: But in order to start understanding Standing. So in order to start understanding how to position the body, you have to involve yourself in the position of the body. Mm. So what I do often is have people just stand in Tadasana or just stand with their feet maybe two inches apart, two, three inches apart, not necessarily the feet together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I have them play with the balance of their weight. Mm. Just stand, do your normal stand. See what it feels like. Where are you carrying the weight? Are you carrying it on your inner heel? Are you carrying it on the outside edge of the foot? Are you carrying it forward on the ball of the foot? Nice. Whereabouts are you carrying the weight? And then play. Have some play. Shift to the left. Shift to the right. Shift forward. Shift back. And get a sense of where your weight is going because the feet control the hips. So, in a more intermediate type of practice, thought the action of the foot is going to help you access the stability of the hip and maintain the stability of the hip. Right. Mm. So, um, uh, hold on a second. So,
0: (laughs) no problem.
1: The second step. The second step is you know how the knees play into it. So, yesterday I had this. 14 women that I am mentoring for three months online. And at, once a week, we have a Q&A and we go over some, some details of the practice. And last night, we were going over how the lifting the arch of the foot and balancing the weight on the four corners of the foot
2: mm-hmm.
1: was important to be able to guide and understand what they were doing in their hips. Mm-hmm. So then you put your hands on your hips and you shift your hips left. Right, front, back. And, and start playing with that and playing with how do you align the knee with the hip. So taking a, maybe a subtle micro bend of the knee. Mm. Another way of saying is, bring the inner knee slightly forward and the outer knee slightly back. But playing with how do you get the bones of your legs straight underneath the hip joint. Right. And what does that feel like? Typically it feels really stable. And then what muscles what what poses would you need to select in your practice that would help you develop the necessary muscle structure and harmony to sustain that.
0: Nice. That's a great that's a great recipe. <laughs> I like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's- it's a recipe because you know people's bodies are very different. Yeah, you know of the of the ten women that I had on the call last night, three of them had the same homework, mm. but only three that yeah. followed the same pattern. Yeah, others yeah. on the call followed a different pattern and needed slightly different kinds of homework. Yeah, and so that so that's what I I think you know yoga Todd, I love yoga, please. I've spent my whole life doing yoga. Yeah. And I keep studying and I keep growing and I keep understanding more about the energy body and uh, how, the, how your chakras play in and what about the vagus nerve and the emotions and the breath? What about the diaphragm? What about breathing? All of these things, I keep growing my understanding. And so that's the real beauty of the practice is that a person can start where they are, with what their concerns are at in the moment, and then continue to grow? Mm. Because as we go through life, different things arise. Yes. Different things arise. You know, back back pain is one of the back and hips. Oh so If yeah. the hips are out of balance, if the hips are out of balance, the low back's going to be out of balance. Yeah. So if you have an asymmetric pelvis, whether you have a, and, and I can't tell you how many people I talk to as, as we get older, as students get older, 50, you're still pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 50, 50 and 60, you can still make a lot of change. Yeah. A lot of positive change in your body. You still have, um, you know, somewhere around that time, everyone's hormones start to decrease somewhat. Mm. Um, But then again, those of us who continue practicing and moving and doing our inversions and doing our pranayamas are going to sustain better than those people who don't. Mm. There's just a given fact. The pranayama is and the inversions are incredible. Wow. For for sustaining hormonal balance, um, digestive health, uh, 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 parasympathetic, you know. Balance, I guess, is the best way to say that. And we start talking about emotions and the vagus nerve, or you know, people who teachers who specialize in PTSD. That's not my specialty, um, but all of that, you know, yoga offers so much to so many of us, right?
0: Oh, it does. But when it,
1: yeah. So when it comes to back care, though, um, is people need to learn how to create stability. And so, a lot of yoga is stretchy, bendy yoga. What I call stretchy, bendy yoga, and I can't tell you how many women lose the tone of their buttocks, mm. and and then they start complaining about, oh, my SI joint hurts, or I pulled a hamstring, or my my lumbar is weak. I have a I have a herniated or a bulging uh, a, a disc bulge. Uh, I have pressure. On, I have a little sciatica, um, and it and and with God bless us, living through the pandemic, everybody sat too much. Mm. I don't know anybody that didn't sit too much during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, you know, good point. And <laughs> and, and, and everybody's lower back is going to get weak.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had, I had, I'm i listening to you make mention that you feel the most important thing missing from yoga teaching and teaching students is, is how to find stability, and if I'm a practitioner that's been overemphasizing my desire to just have these flexible poses, these deep yoga poses, what's... Maybe the first bit of advice that you could give me if I want to switch my focus to seeking stability as uh, above and beyond just trying to have a fancy yoga practice. Well... (laughs) I mean, cause my first thought is that, well, I, obviously we have standing poses and we have seated poses and, and there's so many different in between, you know, different postures. Is there something, is it more like planting a seed in terms of a focus mentally, like just maybe I'm just bringing attention to even thinking about stability as the number one sort of beginning point? Uh, so,
1: it, okay, uh, all right, let, yeah, let me go ahead. Okay, I'm on your wavelength now. So <laughs> so what the, the first thing I would say, because I know I, I was at your studio, and I know a little bit about the people who came there, mm-hmm. and what I would say to you is that the first thing I would do, recommend to, your, to students to do is, if they've got a regular yoga practice, if they're practicing every day, or even if they're just practicing three times a week, Mm -hmm. keep a journal for a month because I guarantee you Mm. they're all going to gravitate to the poses that they like the most Mm. not the ones they need the most yep and so they can look at that and say oh look at this I did forward bends twice this week I did standing poses oh I did some twisting poses oh but it's been three weeks since I did back bends. oops That practice is not in balance. That body's not in balance. That's a body that's losing some of its posterior tone. Yeah. And as we get older, uh, the psoas muscle is this amazing muscle, right? Because everybody thinks, oh, yeah, it's a core muscle. La, la, la. But it's not like that. It's like it's the anterior stabilizer of the spine, it works together with the quadriceps, with the quadratus lumborum on the side body. It attaches to every vertebra, starting with L1. It attaches to the discs. So the disc between L1 and L2, it attaches to it. Mm. All the way down the lumbar spine. It helps stabilize the anterior aspect of the sacrum and keep it in place. It's connected to the diaphragm, intimately connected to the diaphragm, which from a fascia standpoint is also connected to the heart. So when you when you think about your psoas muscle, it's not just a mover of the leg, it's a stabilizer of the spine, it assists in breathing, it assists in standing upright, and it assists us in extending our arms. Mm. There's that point at which the arms connect to the top uh, beginning parts of the psoas. And you can feel it in your practice once you go into that deeper level. You can feel that. Mm-hmm. And so, so I'll just put a little two cents out there. My, my back hair evolution was good. I, I had I have an understanding of anatomy. I've helped lots of people. I've helped lots of people figure out which pose to do first, second, and third went to make it a little more challenging help them heal their back pain heal their herniated discs avoid surgery i've done all that in my 40-year career 30 40-year career and of course that's why i wrote my book healing our backs of yoga because i had some patterns that were really really helpful to people and i broke it down into simple progressions the simplest progression and then you build up so you don't Start with upward-facing dog pose if you've got a a lumbar problem or spondylolisthesis or stenosis. You don't start there. You build to that point. You have to build to that point gradually a little bit at a time. So so that's what I would say to your students is go ahead and make a journal Mm. and check out where you're weak. And then try and start adding those poses back into your practice. So that's one thing. So the other thing, going back to the psoas, once I penetrated in my practice, I did some more deeper studies of the psoas muscle and some moves to do to sort of release and balance the psoas. And once I did that, my hip and back pain was is pretty much, I don't see it very often. Wow. It, 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 was, a, it was the last little tidbit um and it to get to get over that last little hump of how my hips would be asymmetric and kind of bug me, right? Yeah. Um, so I I put together a, a couple of things. I have a free five pose so as series that people can get through my website or through my Facebook Yoga with Lila Facebook page. And um uh it gives them five poses to practice with a lot of description and a video of each pose um, and and more information about the psoas. So it's something that uh, I would recommend also to your people that they might really, really like
0: that. I appreciate that, Leela. And I, I will have that linked in the show notes below. So anyone listening, if you're driving, you can just, you know, when, you're, when you stop, you can click on it and it'll be available and it's fascinating that you say that because I've never really thought about the connection between the breathing and the psoas and just as you said that as I'm kind of just observing right now where how I'm sitting and breathing it I actually can feel how I think you're right the psoas is like lengthening or making really subtle movements each time we breathe just to kind of stabilize the 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 pelvis it's that's really interesting connection.
1: It, it really is, it, you know. The psoas is it's 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 a vast muscle, you know. When you think about it, when you think about a person aging, as we get older, yeah, people tend to start tipping forward, and they tip forward because the psoas is so powerful and so vast; it covers so much real estate in the body,
0: <laughs> real estate. <laughs>
1: Right. It covers so much real estate with its auxiliary (laughs) muscles in the body that it starts pulling us forward Mm. and overcoming the smaller muscles of the spine.
0: That makes sense.
1: So there's something called idiopathic back pain, right? What is that? It's pain. People have back pain and they do the MRI and they do the x-rays and there's no answer for their pain. Mm. So the thing to understand about that is that the fascia of the body doesn't show up on an MRI. The connective tissue doesn't show up. Mm. Other tissues do, tendons, ligaments, blood vessels, nerves, um, muscle tissue. That stuff shows up, but the fascia doesn't. Yes. So somebody could be sitting... Or up here it's just now becoming spring we actually finally had winter up in North Carolina and it's just now spring and it's like okay time to start pruning the bushes that need pruning and fertilizing what needs fertilizing and people are going to be outside working in their yard bending and lifting all day long and if they spent the whole winter hopefully they did some online yoga <laughs> Right, but they,
0: but they probably <laughs> were sitting by the fireplace. Yeah, hopefully they did
1: some <laughs> online yoga. But, you know, it, so even myself is when I just look at myself. I usually spend three days a week sitting at the computer because now I have an online yeah. following and an yeah. online practice, and you do too. And so, every other day, I've got to not sit at the computer, and I've got to do certain <laughs> yoga poses as part of my regular routine to keep my spine from going into dysfunction. Yeah. You know, everybody has some sort of changes in their spine after the age of 50. There's some narrow disc, more narrow here, more narrow there, a little funny Mm. angle Mm. here, a little funny angle there. Everybody's got something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's going to be exacerbated with sitting. And then if you go from sitting to working out in the yard, you're, it's a setup for having your back really bother you.
0: Absolutely. And I, I remember when you were here teaching, you began with a statement that was simple. You said, I'm not in any pain. I feel good. I'm practicing yoga and I'm not in any pain. And I, as simple a statement as that was, I think I was in pain when you said that. And it just made me go, hmm, interesting, like, you're right. Like, maybe that that could be something I should strive toward, (laughs) you know, because just going for these challenging poses and then if you observe and I'm like, I'm in pain afterward. I, I like the idea, the shift that you made me start to think about, is there a way that, I could or can practice where I am working with my body in a way that I'm trying to figure out how I could solve some of these pain patterns, which is a really big shift. Uh, so that's amazing. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. I appreciate that sort of insight. Um, so
1: that's, that's lovely. That's lovely that you had that memory. <laughs> I had no. I never remember what it was I said, so I'm so glad you did. <laughs>
0: Like, did I say that? No. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: was a good thing. I'm, you know, I'm glad that came through. Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm in pain right now. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm I haven't figured it out yet. I'm still trying, though. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious, Leela, can you speak a little bit about the importance of the five koshas and the connection with quantum physics? Oh, my gosh.
1: This is my newest love this is my newest love so you know we look at the five koshas and we just sort of take them for granted we look at them and go oh yeah there's the physical body there's the chronic body there's the mental body the intellectual body and then there's bliss oh i'm just going to go for bliss
0: <laughs> yeah i don't right? want to i don't want to be bothered with all that
1: <laughs> <not>. <laughs> and and neurologically that's simply not possible yeah you, you can't separate one from the other. What we can do is we can start, um, you know, I've done some energies, sort of, sort of chakra and energy stuff. So there's that that toric field, which is this, um, in the show notes, I have a little handout that I'm going to give you too that, that people can look at. It has an image in it. But it's, it's like the torque energy field is this magnetic field around the body and the Heart Math Institute in California has done a lot of mm. uh, research around the, the, the heart resonance, how the heart resonates through space. And so you know the mind has a certain amount of, of magnetism, but the heart has five times or six times as much as the mind. Wow. So the the energy of the heart, the magnetism of the heart, will reach out from center to a, a, a thirty foot diameter. Wow, thirty feet
0: has a mag- feet. has a magnetic field thirty feet around the heart,
1: and it's and it's a cycling field. So it's in through the crown, down through the central channel, out through the feet in this big loop. So this big egg. Kind of loop to each side. I guess that's what you would call it. Kind of like two eggs sitting side by side, right? Yeah, yeah. And the central channel is coming through our spine. And as yogis, we always look to align our spine mm. because you want to line up with your central channel. And as we're going through life, um, different things that happen or. Uh, personality traits that we develop or defenses that we develop or fears that we develop pull our chakras in different directions and actually can misalign us from an energetic point of view. And then the body follows. So there's something that happens. The mind, it goes into the subconscious mind and we hold on to it and we act on it as if it's true when it was only an impression or a moment in time and in yoga we call those samskaras because we're doing a practice to try and uncover so we can have a moment at which we see how our mental body picks a thought over and over again that has the same exact neurological pattern in the nervous system that lands in the same chakra and the same muscles in the same part of the body. Mm.
0: That's fascinating. And so,
1: and that's why yoga is an undoing process. So, so when we start with an asana practice, we're starting with our physical body, and we're saying, you know, here I am. I'm in my physical body, and I have this tension, and I have this muscle spasm over here, and I'm tensing my neck, and I want to relieve that tension, so I do a practice. I start breathing better, which is a very important key ingredient. I start breathing better, and I start releasing that tension. And then I go to Shavasana, and I go, ah. And somewhere along that practice, especially when we practice and pay attention to anything that may arise, there may have been a moment when some thought captured us. And we had to go, well, oh, wait a minute. Is that really helping me? Is that, you know, it, what is this thought? Is this thought? Here's, here's what I, I learned recently from someone, uh, some, another woman who wrote a book on the Yoga Sutras. She said, ask yourself, does the thought taste sweet? Mm. And if it doesn't taste sweet, it's probably a lie or a construct made up by your ego.
0: Nice. If it mm.
1: tastes sweet, it's going to be close to your essential nature.
0: That's a really good thought.
1: But, mm, <laughs> it is a good thought.
0: <laughs> that is a sweet one.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that one did taste sweet, actually. <laughs> yeah.
1: it, did taste, it did taste sweet. <laughs> and, you know, because, because that's a, it's an interesting trick. It's yeah. an interesting trick to start unwinding our projections yeah. because that, that, that's the mental body. The mental body locks onto a belief and looks out in the world and sees it everywhere. Hmm. It's not necessarily there. So that's the nature of misperception. Yeah, It's not necessarily there. But I projected it as if it were And so behind that projection is a judgment and in that judgment is a thought and that thought either tastes sweet or it tastes sour. Yeah. Or or bitter, however you want to label that. But, you know, and so if it's a lot, then I'm maybe perpetuating a lie about life or about, and my relationship to life, or my relationship to my spouse, or my relationship to my daughter. Maybe I'm perpetuating a lie because this thought doesn't taste sweet, so it must not be true. And if it's not true, what's the thought that is true? And so that's that's Paksha and Prati Paksha. What is the opposite point? What's the opposite point of view? And when I go to that opposite point of view, if I put my hand on my heart and I go to the opposite point of view, not only do it does it taste sweeter, but my heart vibrates differently. It relaxes and it vibrates differently. And so then you start going to what Heart and Math Institute calls coherence, heart frame coherence. And that's the, it's the coherence that allows us to listen to our deeper intuition. And make the right choices for ourselves in our lives, and it's it's a practice. It has to be practiced, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: It has to be practiced. So and, and so that takes you because once you make that, then you've gone. Then you've gone to that wisdom body, that, vijnanamaya uh, kosha, the, the intellect and the wisdom body. You've gone to the higher level of mind. And at the higher level of mind, then we can find that place at which something has to be surrendered. Mm. Right. And so that, that takes us and and that, that then opens the doorway to what for the magical part of being human, that where these complex organisms, with all these parts that are working together all the time on our, for our best behalf, on our best behalf. And to accept that as being true. It's kind of like what I say when people get in a yoga pose. It's like you got to make friends with your body. Let's you stop fighting with it. Yep. It's giving yep. you information. And the way the body gives us information is through sensation. The body doesn't have words. The body has sensation. And so it gives us information through sensation. That's why standing with your feet in Tadasana and shifting your weight back and forth is helpful or shifting your hips back and forth and finding out which side of your pelvic floor is narrow and which side of your pelvic floor is long and how toned are your glutes or how tight are your, has your psoas on the other side and your quads in the front. I mean, exploring those things, that's, that's what makes that how
0: beautiful. Yeah. That's pretty amazing, Leela, Did you, when you first got attracted to yoga, did you know that you would start to fall in love and traverse the more subtle aspects that you're talking about, about appreciating being human and feeling some of these energies like you're talking about, the way we're reacting with our mental projections? Did you get a sense of that right off the bat? Or... Is that something that has taken you forty years to kind of feel like you're settling in a good spot with it all? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. So, so it's it, it's like it's it's the dance of the tango, right? <laughs> how do you how, the way you dance tango is you put one foot in front of the other.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wherever you start your walk,
1: that's where you start. And as a young woman, I was emotionally. Um, very distressed all the time. Yeah. And that did contribute to some of the pain I had in my body. Yeah. There was also and and I had to sort out what was my emotional body and what was my physical body. And there is a difference. And I did have I did I was compromised because of an injury. I was compromised in my physical body. And I did figure out how to work with alignment to bring my neuromuscular balance into a really refined state. Um, but it was from there. And I, I would say that was partly, I think it was probably starting to happen, you know, over the past five years. And once I finished writing my, my book, um, I stepped more into some of the more subtle aspects of the practice. Mm. Um, but really, it was the blessing of COVID. Yeah, of lockdown. So ga- it was. It that, was that gave yeah. you
0: introspective time—time time to really, really ask some of the deeper questions about what what your purpose is and what you want to do. Uh,
1: it did uh, allow me to do that, and it also allowed me to get access to a lot of teachings online that I didn't have access to
2: before. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I was able to expand my repertoire and experience level, yeah. and, along with my regular, you know, pranayama meditation practice, um, and it all contributed. It all contributed. <clears throat>
0: That's a great outlook.
1: So when we get to so so, the, and the other piece is that I want to say to people about the yoga practice um, that I think is really fascinating with some of the the, the new research about. Um, the unified field,
2: Mm.
1: the idea of the unified field is that we are a walking bubble of energy that is unified with the field. Mm. We're unified in our own field and we're unified with the field. Okay. So that's, that's what physics is teaching us. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and then when you're in your own unified bubble, it's my own little bubble here. <laughs> pay attention. Pay attention to how things connect. When you lift the arch of your foot, if you change the position of your knee, what happens to your shoulders? What happens not just to your hip, your opposite hip? How does that affect your diaphragm and how your kidneys are sitting in the middle of your body and your shoulder and your head? Because the 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 other piece is that we're we move through space. We're moving creatures. We're not trees. We don't we don't we're not stationary. We're mobile. Yeah. And and being mobile means that so that the from the um, fascial anatomy, the connective tissue anatomy, we become a tense, What's called a tensegrity system. Right. So what does that mean? It means that a tensegrity system is a system of connections that are held together, movable connections that are held together under some form of pressure. They're tied together. So my elbow, if I bend my right arm or if I raise my right arm overhead, like half of Urdhva Hastasana, and I raise my right arm overhead, I notice how all the skin and fascia on the right side of my body expands. The right side of my lung takes in more air. And that's the obvious, but the not so obvious is what happened on the other side.
2: Mm.
1: How the weight shifted now and my left knee now takes a little bit more of the balance Mm. than my right knee. So we don't tend to notice that, we're like a we're like a spinning top. You can you can especially yogis because we like going upside down, <laughs> yeah. right?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like that handstand. I like the headstand. I like, yeah. You know, I want to do a back then. So we like going upside down, and so we're we're always playing with the sphere of this movement mm. and just pay attention to how things connect to each other. Yeah, you know, and, and with that in mind, you have to go slower. You yeah. can't. You yeah. know, I, if, I, yeah. if I've only got 20 minutes, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to do a couple rounds of sun salutations. I'm going to go in and out of a couple standing poses. I know what my stiff places normally are, what, you know, my typical pattern. I know what my pattern is. I hit a couple of those spots and do a couple of strengthening exercises to keep my stability. And boom, I'm off the mat. I'm done. Yeah. But then other days I'm in there and I'm observing how when I move my big toe like this, I can open the top of my edge of my psoas mm. and I'm going slowly enough to be able to observe those things. Yeah. So there is something to be said, you know, for the fact that Mr. Angar used to make us hold the poses sometimes in inordinate amount of time. <laughs> it was not easy <laughs> in not that easy. way. <laughs> you know, so we had to really hold our poses but when you hold your poses, you figure out, oh, I'm not using my body efficiently. This part of my body's overworking, yeah, and this part's underworking. Yeah, you know, this part's too strong. This part's asleep. And and unless and until we go, we figure out how to create that neuromuscular balance. If you've got a back condition, you're going to have a back condition, and so it's going to keep bothering you.
0: That's fascinating. Can you explain, Lila, what, why lying flat is helpful for relieving and understanding back pain?
1: So when we, when we go to sleep at night, the whole spine relaxes. And so all the tension goes out of the spine. And the spine actually, when you get up in the morning, you're usually half an inch taller, half an inch to an inch taller than you are at the end of the day. Wow. So standing upright, doing your regular movements, whether they're sitting in the chair, driving a car, um, talking on the phone. Um, so the fact that I'm talking to you for an hour doing this interview, I'm engaging my diaphragm, which is then engaging my uh, vagus nerve, which is then engaging the psoas muscle. And so I'll have a bunch of energy in my diaphragm of that, that's there, right? I kind of got lost with that, but I just want to, okay. I just want yeah, to, kinda, I kind of got lost on I, that one.
0: I was backed out but, of my but, psoas again. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, <laughs> but but the, the, the point is, is that whatever you're doing during the day, there's contraction happening in the body. That's the point. It's contractions happening in the body. So your spine gets a little shorter. Mm-hmm. Now, if you also sit at the desk a lot, you're and we have a mutual friend who wrote many, many books and sat at the desk for many, many years and ended up with a huge amount of stenosis where he can barely move his lumbar spine anymore. Mm. Okay? And and so your spine kind of shrinks a little bit. And if you've got a back condition, if you're, if you're feeling some pinch, um, you've got some facet joint pinching and a little radiating nerve pain or just achiness in your lower back, just that achy pain in your lower back, and you lie down on the floor for five or 10 minutes, and deep breathe, it's going to go away mm. because if those muscles are going to relax and the spine's going to ease out. So, And and the other good thing about being on the floor is that it, it, it gives you a frame of reference. So I talk a lot about the clock face in, in my back classes. How do you know when you're keeping the pelvic clock balanced so that you're not jacking one hip up pinching the one side of the lumbar over stretching the other side of the lumbar and that's not to say we don't sometimes stretch the lateral body because we do but you, if you've got a back condition if you've got a situation there you've got to find stability If in order to retrain your muscles and identify identify with your intellect which muscles are too tense which ones are too short and which ones are too long. You have mm-hmm. to kind of, you have to figure out how can I take this movable bubble that moves through space that's mm-hmm. capable of 365 degree movement, all kinds of amazing movements, And how do I then narrow it down, create stability in my pelvis and stabilize and retard my movement so that I can identify exactly the relationship of one muscle to another. Wow. It can be done. It, it can, can be, be done. done. And it it can be done. And the clock face is really the the key. Learn how to stabilize the clock face. And there'll be a reference to that in the little handout that we're attaching to the talk. So they can kind of look at that and play with that in their own practice. So when they're, you're on the floor, do, you know, doing something called the hip series, which are all the seven anatomical movements of the hip joint. Are you actually doing those movements in your hip joint, or are you doing those movements with your lumbar spine? And if you learn when you when a person learns to stabilize the clock face, then they're identifying clearly the movements in the hip joint
2: mm.
1: because they've made the pelvis stable, so that they're not doing it with their lumbar spine. So, so one, one other sense. little addition, additional piece about that is that the lumbar spine is the most movable part of the spine. So any imbalance in the hips, any shortness of the hamstrings, the lumbar spine is going to take the brunt of it. Mm, that makes sense. And we know that because it is rampant. Everybody's got a backache.
2: Yeah.
1: It seems. Yeah. If they, if they don't have some other ache.
0: Yeah, good point. That's so interesting. In the lumbar, in relation to rotation, flexion, extension, that's the section that has the most potential for all those different movements?
1: Um, there's lots of potential there for movement, but because there's so much potential for movement, it's easy to over-move from the lumbar and not move from the hip
0: joint. Mm. That makes sense. So I go to so, touch my toes and my hamstrings are tight. I dump all that pressure right into my lumbar spine.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So in, in a case like that, if, if if you can't hinge at the hip, make a good hip hinge and you can't hinge at the hip, you got to put your hands on the chair or on the table mm. or on a wall. And there's mm. a lot of, you know, uh, students, men especially, but some women, as well, they're not very flexible.
0: Yeah, that's a good
1: so point. You want to balance the flexibility and tone. You know, you want a balance of those two things. And so, in order for them to extend their spine safely and develop some length in the hamstrings, they have to put their hands up on something because you have to learn how to hinge from the hip and not round your spine. Keep your spine extended. Yeah, so that, that's something that, that I just want to, uh, I'm going to segue into something here. So when you're practicing for your lumbar back, stability comes first. And then ex- learning to extend the limbs. So learning how to extend the legs, not the lumbar. Mm-hmm. Just get that flexibility in the hip joint. And, and then when you do that, and then learn how to extend your spine. So you start creating length in the middle of your body. And that's where the psoas comes back in again. Because if the psoas is locked down really hard, you're not going to get length in the middle of your body. Mm. Because the psoas muscle forms the curves of the spine. If so I, in order for... Yeah. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Go if, ahead. If,
0: if I Thank you. If I have uh, low back pain, what's... I know there's a lot of different psoas stretching postures but do you think something very simple where I just take a folded blanket and place it under my hips and just lie down on my back just to put a little stretch into the psoas is that gentle enough for the low back often to serve as a good way to stretch the psoas or do you think more of like say like a lunge position like a where where you're able to just push forward into I'm on my back if I'm on my left knee and my right foot and I lunge forward to put pressure down into the psoas, do you have a favorite or like a a, a very gentle psoas stretcher? That's that's great for starting to alleviate some of that low back tension.
1: Um, my favorite one is one that you didn't mention. It's called a traction twist. Mm. Um and if if somebody goes to my website and they go to my blog, you know, to to where you can search on the blog. Yeah. They can just type in traction twist and it'll come up with with stuff about it. Okay, cool. because uh, it's a direct so as stretch
0: nice. um,
1: without, be, without being a lunge. However, no one yoga pose is right for everybody. Yeah. So I like the idea of putting a blanket underneath the hips and laying back that way and that works lovely as long as someone doesn't have any kind of a herniated disc mm. or back pain. Mm. Yeah. If the low back contracts, then that's not such a good thing. Mm. Um, you know, so it's it's about relationships of one, because it, everything's connected to everything else in the body and everything affects everything else in the body. So it's all about position. Yeah. And for this body, maybe the blanket to be under the spine. For that body, it yeah. could be under the hip. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, most everybody can do a lunge, a kneeling lunge. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about that one for a minute. And the, the main the main problem I see with that. Yeah. Is that when people have the rear knee down and, and the front knee is above the ankle, they got the rear knee down on the floor, maybe they put their hands up onto their front knee. Yeah. Everybody dumps their belly. Uh, right? Yeah. So what happens in that case is that you've let go of the transverse abdominus. Yeah. And the transverse abdominis in the lower abdomen is the most important muscle mm. to stabilize your sacrum and your lumbar. It's more important than the rectus abdominis. It's the counterbalancing muscle to the psoas. Yeah. So the psoas is going to make the curve and the transversus is going to help flatten the curve.
0: That makes sense. It's gonna, yeah. It's going to pull in. Yeah.
1: So, so it's been doing lunges and doing lunges. People, I mean, the words of the wise, and this is how I. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is how I say it.
2: Yeah.
1: Press your front heel into the floor. Curl your tailbone toward your pubic bone, and lift the bottom of the belly. Sometimes I'll say, "flatten your clock face," uh, in the front because that's where the middle of the clock face goes right across the. the the lower abdomen, right?
2: Yeah.
1: So, and, you know, flatten and draw back in and lift and draw in a little more. And it's, it's more of a, it's not, even though there's some little Banda aspects to it,
2: Yeah.
1: it's not like going just to the Banda. It's actually using the muscle structure mm. of the transverse abdominis. Mm. So that's in, in, in my back course, that's one of the first things I teach. How do you activate that transverse abdominis? Because unless and until you've activated that, you're never getting stability for your lumbar. You're going to dump into your belly over and over again, overarch your lower back, and give in to sort of a sense of weakness. Yeah. Because then you lose control of your sacrum and your lumbar. That's all.
0: That's fascinating. <clears throat> I. I guess as I'm listening to you, I'm trying to do these things as you're talking about it, and <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm aware that the transverse abdominis is the deepest layer of abdominal musculature that helps to hold the abdominal contents in, more or less like a sheath, right? That runs in the front around. of the abdomen mm-hmm. and around, and so when it contracts, it kind of pulls... Everything in and together, as opposed to the more superficial, like you said, the rectus abdominis, which is our six-pack muscle, and then what internal and external obliques, which are going to help us do our rotation.
1: Right. So let's let's do this. Everybody on the call who's not (laughs) driving a car, (laughs) sit upright in your chair, put your hands on your lower abdomen, and take a, a breath, a relaxed, deep breath, and feel how the lower abdomen expands and then exhale. And then do it again. And so when you get in touch with the rhythm of your natural breath, you're going to notice how you expand the lower abdomen on inhale. That's natural. And it deflates and recedes when you exhale, which is also natural. Mm-hmm. So now in your next exhalation, you're going to add a sound. It's called, it's p s s s t, And you make it crisp through your mouth so it's gonna move your ears away from your mic from your headset. <laughs> Here it goes. <laughs> and just by doing that sound you get that extra contraction mm. on the transverse abdominis uh, and you've made con- and you've made contact. That's cool. You made contact. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of things on your back, like leg things, alternate chest with resistance, with, you know, mini, half curls, leg lifts, um, you know, where you can use that sound to really activate the lower part of your belly. And when people have a back, weak back or weak pelvis, not enough stability, um, you, you can do it in your standing poses. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to make yourself crazy, but it does help you get in touch. So, you know, I was talking last last night again on, on the call last night, and then I'll be quiet for a minute.
0: It's um, <laughs> okay. I like it. We, Thank
1: you. <laughs> we, we, we do a repetition of practice. Why? Not only because it awakens the muscles. It's more than that. Because it switches on the neurological connection. And if a muscle's been asleep for a long time, if somebody's got like really weak glutes, are they going to come back in three days? Well, you might notice a difference in three days of doing shalabhasana, but it's going to be three months before you can go, oh yeah, I can, I can c- contact that muscle and get it to flex in this pose just because I decided to do it. Mm. <clears> and so in, or, in order for it to become automatic there's got to be enough repetition it's like riding a bicycle you know I students say well how am I, glu- I going to get my glutes stronger well, my hip hurts my low back hurts how am I going to get my glutes my PT says it's my glutes and my ha- hamstrings and blah, blah 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 how are you going to do it you're going to do repetition yeah you got yeah. to do you gotta, yeah. so you, you got to have your baseline poses that you need to start creating your neuromuscular balance, and then you can do all the other aspects of yoga in your practice so you can still enjoy and benefit from the depth and width of yoga, but you still have to have your home-based pose, and you got to repeat them enough times for them to become automatic, like riding a bike.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? Once you know how, even if you're away from it for 15 years, didn't take him long to remember, <laughs> right?
0: I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I'm. A. I feel. I feel really happy right now because. Well, one, the hour that we'd plan to be together has already gone by, so I can't believe how fast this time has gone by, Leela. <laughs> I mean, uh, and I'm one of my hopes for having an opportunity to speak with you is is. For people to get excited about yoga and want to practice, and after listening to all the different ideas and ways that you've brought attention to some of these subtle aspects of yoga, I feel excited to get on my mat. So that's I want to say thank you for that because that's one thing I I really uh, really enjoy about your your teaching. I also want to mention to everybody that I do have your book and it's an incredible book. And I highly recommend it, so if anyone's listening and has an opportunity to to go to your website lila and check out some of the things that you have available. you have an incredible history and uh, practice and attention to detail with the practice that I think is really special and amazing and I just Thank want, you you're welcome and i I really appreciate you taking time i I feel like we might have to schedule a part two because um I still have more questions for you, but <laughs> I know we're on a on a time on a time uh, a specific time amount or a <laughs> And so, uh, I, I just first of all, I just want to say thank you, and I really appreciate you taking time. Is there anything that you would like to share in the attempt for us to close our conversation together? Is there any final insights and or tidbits of wisdom or? Uh, observations that you have for us that you can um, leave us with?
1: Well, I think that we covered a lot of great territory. You know, we talked a little bit about fascia and about so there. So the idea of fascia um, no, we can't we'll have to do another call for that we, <laughs> talk more about fascia. I know we I- did talk about we did talk about <laughs> finding stability of the pelvis. We talked about Creating, making sure you create stability in your practice. Check your practice. See if you're doing too much of one pose and not another. So modulate your own life. Or if you have an area of your body that's talking to you, your low back, your hips, your shoulders. See what poses you can find to address those areas. And of course, there are many ideas in my book that would be useful to, as a good place to start. And um, it's just then, and, and then we have this idea about. The transverse abdominis, and maybe doing a little better job of opening up that psoas muscle, and so that's always important for posture, right? Yes. Um, and otherwise, um, be happy to share more information. I mean, my goal is just to keep sharing the, the knowledge and the wisdom. So, um, I hope people will jump on to my five day as thing, my five pose as freebie, and um. And whatever else, and and just keep practicing. Yay. Yay.
0: Repetition.
1: (laughs) Repetition. Keep practicing.
0: And the five koshas. I loved what you had to say about that. That was really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Life is beautiful. (laughs) All right. Todd, thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Leela. We'll do it again, and uh, I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day.
1: Yeah. Many blessings, everyone.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And Leela is an amazing teacher, and I, I think you could get a sense of that in hearing her speak and her understanding of the subtlety in the yoga practice. And after 40 years of practice, she's still enamored and in love with it and has a lot of joy and happiness to share. So that says something. Uh, please again check out her website yogawithlila.com the links are below remember you can check us out at nativeyogacenter.com if you have any questions, comments or thoughts, please send me an email at info alright thanks so much we'll, we'll meet again Native Yoga Podcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of, what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it and review, and join us next time.